2: srbradio.com.
3: Welcome to this week's Made in Brum and you've just heard the debut single from Birmingham post-punk band, The Au Pairs, called You, from way back in 1979. And our guests this week are Pete Hammond and Paul Fode from The Au Pairs, who will be joining us shortly, directly after a personal favourite track of mine from the band called We're So Cool. The pairs with were so cool which is the opening track off their debut album playing with a different sex and i'm very pleased to welcome on to the show pete hammond and paul foad hi hi, dave, hi, dave. Uh, big fan of your band back in the day i thought you were gonna say great to see you all looking so young you always look young pete <laughs> it's the <laughs> lamb's blood injections we opened the show with your debut single
4: which was released on the label 021 it was uh it was set up by our manager martin culverwell Bless him, who's no longer with us. But Martin was a very forward-thinking uh, guy in terms of his uh, musical outlook. He really uh, uh, helped get the band up and running. I think the first release was um, the great Birmingham reggae band Iganda, and then we released You. And I think later on there was um, the Bloods, the New York band, were released on it. Adele's. The band. Pinkies,
5: the Pinkies, have a did track? they have a track on so. it as well? Yeah, it was basically our label though, because. We weren't getting any interest from major labels at that time, so the only way at that point to get your stuff out was to set up your own do-it-yourself home label, which for the first time punk made that happen. I can remember
4: sitting up through the night sticking blooming sleeves
5: and labels on records. (laughs) We bought two bottles of tequila, remember? And we sat Uh. up for 36 (laughs) hours with about other six people from Moseley. And we just sat down in a room. No one was allowed to leave. And we glued together and boxed up 1,000 copies of this single.
3: At that point, there was the independent charts as well. And Mm. like you said, there was a lot of independent labels starting up, which is where the phrase indie bands come from. Mm that represented not necessarily a genre but releasing your stuff on your own label
4: because we're in the middle of the country the anr company I only found this out a few years ago the anr guys couldn't claim an overnight stay if they came to birmingham whereas if they went to liverpool or manchester they could have a night in a hotel and a booze up we were neglected because of that stupid reason of <laughs> you know being in the middle of the country and they could get back to london in one
5: go and they couldn't claim expenses and up until that point the major companies were just taking on board, you know, Genesis, Led Zeppelin, three years to make an album. It's, it's all based on that kind of thing. Nobody could go, can somebody put a 1,000 copies of this out, please, so we can go and play it and put it in some local shops. It wasn't available, so punk-made people have to make that happen themselves. We're going to have another track from your band. Okay.
4: Um, we're going to have a fight over this one. No, we've actually, we've got consensus, we'll go with Headache. Okay,
5: we'll go with Headache from Michelle.
3: The au Pair's with headache for Michelle. Now, I'd like to talk to you about been a few comments about the band over the years, and the one that I like the most is it's been said of the band, "You were in the wrong place at the wrong time." Simply,
5: that you were ahead of your time. Um, I think musically, um, there's we were a bit of ahead of ourselves in the sense that, like, the main thing about us musically was that we never we. Did away with all the obvious cliches that were involved in life There was never a guitar solo. There was ne- you know, there's, there's things that we, we just strictly kept to rhythm, and and there was Leslie's guitar playing was uh, played in a kind of a female way. Paul was more um, musically trained, and between the two of them they developed this strange rhythmic sound, which conversation which, conversation, <laughs> which which now he listening to it now, it still stands the test of time, and it's also a lot of bands don't want to hear. Guitar solos and note for note solos anymore. So and on a musical level, then, then you know, I, I think that it was ahead of its time. Um, but um, there has been a lot of people saying that they were influenced by the band over the years. I go out and actually watch a lot of new bands
3: at uh, uh, places, and also I've actually spoke to them about bands that that they've listened to, and so they're actually quoting the au pairs mm. as being a major influence on what they're doing today.
4: I think it goes back um, even further than that because um, when, my, when my big boy Leon was 16 and he's a bit older now, he kind of come falling down the stairs one day going, Dad, Dad, I've just read about your band in Kurt Cobain's diaries. And apparently Kurt was into into the au pairs. We were one of the bands he listened to. So that's probably our biggest claim to fame, that Nirvana, the guy from Nirvana, liked us. That's a hell of a claim. It is a hell of a claim. Yeah. I was well shocked with that one.
3: So we're going to go into a short break. You know, was there any bands around that time that you were big fans of yourself in Birmingham?
4: Steel Pulse, definitely. So what up
3: Klu Klux Klan, Klan. let's
5: go Klu Klux Klan. He's probably been played on this show a lot, but he cannot be played enough as far as I'm concerned.
6: This is done. done, done, done.
3: Welcome back to Made in Brum, and you've just heard a classic track from the beat called "Stand Down, Margaret," chosen by Paul and Pete. Now, there is a reason why you've chosen the beat because you actually did a few shows together.
4: Yeah, they were they were one of the best ever bands to come out of this city, in my humble opinion, and uh, they gave us a, a British support slot. We uh, we did a British tour with them. It was uh, it was really kind of an amazing blast, basically. Because not only did we have... Uh, we were playing to much bigger crowds, but we actually got to see them play every night, which was
5: great. I've actually got the gig list here. Cardiff, Bristol, Nottingham, York, Leicester, Colchester, Aylesby, Hanley, Bath, Southampton, Lancashire, Leeds and Glasgow, all on consecutive nights. There you go. <laughs> and what year was that? <laughs> that was uh, 81. That was Eight? before Played With A Different Sex the, the album we're kind of mainly known for came out. So we were still building up our uh our thing and we were playing a lot trying to galvanize birmingham bands at that time because it was like birmingham at that time it was punk it was reggae it was ska everything mashed together with the beat and iganda and steel pulse that we just played and also uh, musical youth was another band the funny thing was on a friday morning when we all
4: used to go and sign on at the labor exchange in moseley (laughs) which is now the post office There'd be five bands all standing in a row, going, "Where are you off to? Oh, we're going to London. Oh, we're going to Liverpool. Oh, we're off to Cardiff." And then we'd all be running out to uh, to the vans and heading off to the different gigs all around the country. But, but
5: not only that, the people that we were signing on to on the desk you had to sign on will be going, "Oh, great gig last night, guys! <laughs> it was a mad." Scene. I mean, it wasn't you know as uh, as you know we did as get as caught big, out though. It wasn't as big brother as it is now, you know. The, 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 your mates were working behind the counter and in front of the yeah, counter, not all, all of them. them. When we got the front cover of the NME we did
4: a gig down in, in Bristol and the next day we had to sign on the Friday morning and uh, the NMA had come out the uh, the night before. As we went to sign on, the guy from behind the kit just pulled out this paper and we were on the cover and he says, OK, what about this thing, guys? We go, but we're earning no money. we got no money still. <laughs> you ain't signing on today, pal. OK,
3: we're going to go with another track from the OPS. Possibly your most well-known track.
4: Uh, it's obvious is the track and uh, it's... Uh, to my mind, it's 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 more relevant today than it's ever been, and it's a good good dance track. Good and the, music. The, the
5: line "You're equal but different," which is what it's based around, which summed up what we were saying about sexual politics, about race, about everything. It sums it all up for me. <laughs>
3: you've just heard the au pairs with possibly one of their most popular tracks it's obvious and I'd like to bring up now talking about John Peel you did many John Peel sessions four I think wasn't like four? now to me the guy was a legend there's been nobody like him since never will be no his radio show was one of those shows that you had to listen to to find out what was going on
4: musically mm. so you met him many times so what was John Peel like he was such a cool laid back I think he was almost frightened to come and meet us the first time. I don't think we met him the first session. But no, he, he came didn't. in. He came into the second, and he, he was just such a laid-back dude, lovely
5: guy,
7: really. But cool. you know,
5: he, he was so important to breaking because of the whole indie thing and the do-it-yourself records, and the bands who just had a thousand copies of their single lying around their bedroom. He would play those tunes on the radio if he liked them, and then those bands would get gigs and they get known to be picked up by the music press. I mean. He heard you, our first single, said on the radio, if this band are listening, tell them to get in touch. Uh, they, I really love that track. And someone told us about it. Next thing we know, we had a Peel session, and then we had a gig at uh, the Astoria in London, then we had a gig at Hammersmith Palais, first on the bill, and it's that's how we gradually yeah. built our way up. Badly missed now, because yeah. you know, there isn't... Nobody's got the 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 scope anymore in, in in radio or television to say I'm going to do something I want to do and play it. It seems to me that it's so hard now for bands to get played on the radio, and that we need another John Peel. Yeah, yeah absolutely.
3: We're going to talk about Barbarella's.
5: I know that you
3: played some gigs at Barbarella's. We did
5: the one just before it shut. <laughs> I, I, we've just worked out that I don't remember any of that, so I don't know what the hell was going on there. But apparently, we did. Yeah, just yeah we played it, it with the Gang of Four. We supported the Gang of Four.
4: For us, we'd we'd grown up going to Barb's and watching bands. There. I'd seen Talking Heads and the Ramones. Iggy Pop, there, I remember it, seeing Iggy Pop when we were kind of like fourteen, fifteen, and used to be able to sneak to get in. So playing it was kind of like a real milestone in our kind of musical yeah. Wow, If you've played Barb's, man, you've arrived. <laughs> that was like, yeah, we're getting somewhere at last. And also, you played with the Prefix as well. Yeah, yeah, they were um, they were one of Birmingham's finest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, very very good band. We also did. Um, we did a, I can remember doing a PAO for hire for them once in, uh, I was the only one of the few people uh, that could drive and had a van in Moseley. That and also getting um, the whole of UB40 and a backline and different uh, hangers on and people in the back of my van one night. Coming back from West Bromwich. I think it was called the Packers in West Brom. But yeah, they, they, were, they were a great
5: band, the Prefects. That period of time, what was good about it is that all, all the bands actually kind of interacted and helped each other out. I remember rehearsing once in the Prefects, that house they had in Digbeth, that they used to rehearse there, we used to go down there. I think it'd be
3: perfect if we play the Prefects. Okay, yeah. That's great. And in 1980, UB40's legendary album, Signing Off, was released. This album is up there with the very best albums in Birmingham. So taking us into a short break is a track from the album, Signing Off, called Little by Little. Welcome back to Made in Brum, and you've just heard America from the OPES. Your lyrics behind your music, your singles and your albums, was quite political and obviously about relationships as well.
5: Yeah. But I mean, first so- of all, that track we just played, all you need to do is change the word Reagan to Donald Trump. And it's it's completely relevant now to what it was then in 1981, which is pretty amazing, really. I'd like to read this little bit out there because I wrote some sleeve notes uh, for one of our albums that came out recently, Remix, and I, I remember I put um album come out that includes domestic violence, faking orgasms, sexual role play, menstruation, global repression, terrorism, drug addiction, Big Brother, and epilepsy. When will you get an album out now that includes those subjects? And that was the whole point, really. And about personal relationships, you know, men's role in, in relationships, how men are towards women...
4: The, the basis of, of good music is it's timeless. It's, it, it's as relevant now as it was back then. During that period, is there any one
3: gig that stands out in your memory? There was the Pink Pop Festival. Yeah. That was
5: 95,000 people. That was just wow. incredible to get up on stage and see a sea of heads. Where the lat, the head right at the back was bopping up and down to the snare drum sound about a mile away. That was just blew my head. Um, and then we and our headlining gigs at the Hammersmith Palais as well. That was like the pinnacle of our, you know, when we sold out the Hammersmith Palais on our own, like a finally at the end. I suppose the the one that stood out most really was the the Belfast. When we went to gig Belfast.
4: Yeah. We we played a gig that was um, a non sectarian gig. I it was open to Catholics and Protestants. On the uh, and we did it on the Greenbrier's Estate on the anniversary of on the Intermin. anniver the tenth anniversary and interment it, it it was an incredibly emotional <laughs> roller coaster of a ride. First thing I knew when I kind of got out the PA truck was to see a Mother's Pride bread van rammed up against the wall on fire. So I'm scratching my head thinking, that ain't right. And then round the corner comes this six-wheeler Saracen armoured tank with all these soldiers pointing armour-like
5: rifles at us. And it's just kind of like, where the hell are we? Um, and kept out of the way, really, until the end, when they had to drop us to the places we were staying. And uh, People
4: had actually moved out of their houses. Families had moved out so we could have mm, a kind of safe house yeah. to stay in and, for the...
5: Uh, They'd hired a van for us called something like Brit Hire, which had like Union Jacks all over the side of it. So basically, when we got back into the van to go where we were staying, we hit a roadblock, and about thirty kids came out and started shaking the van and throwing bricks at the window and smashing the windows. And it was like it was like we were really thought this is it, we're done, you know. But there was a guy who had been sitting in the front of the van, who we didn't know who he was, we'd never met him before, who got out of the van at that point. And, um, well, you saw what happened next. He kind of right?
4: just went over to the, the ringleader of these, these guys that were trying to turn over the van and he just put his hand round his neck, pushed him up against the wall and said something into his ear. Then came and got back into the front of the van and says, OK, we can drive on now. And I'm thinking, wow, we found out later it was Jerry Adams so uh... but we
5: only found that out about two years ago. <laughs> so it but was... he actually saved our life because the, the night we were there there were three people shot dead. Because we have a song on the first album called Armar. Which is a—it's not a, so much a political song, anti or pro IRA or anything. It was just a song about the conditions of Armagh jail and the women that were in the jail. If you, the lyrics are very, very powerful, uh, powerful and in your face, and uh, but the main refrain of that song is "We don't torture a civilized nation," which you know became a little bit of one of our anthems. Really, that song in itself could still be sang now, and it, and it, and it will. Well, be, I think know. it's
3: perfect that you mentioned that, and I think we should play. it. he's had some radio yep. play isn't it yeah you're cutting edge <laughs> i wouldn't say that
5: we're going to bring us up to date about what you're doing now one thing before we do that though we just want to say that jane the bass player uh, who's still in birmingham she uh didn't want to do this show because it's not her thing but uh she knows all about it we asked her to do it and she loves the idea of it so it's not just the two blokes coming in so, and, and leslie we don't quite know where she is so that puts that to bed So
4: what are you doing now? I've got the best job in the world because I'm still playing music. I'm teaching music. I'm uh, sessioning. I had the good fortune to uh, play uh, guitar for Andy Hamilton, the legendary jazz sax player, for 15 years. And when Andy passed at the age of 94, uh, my wife and a couple of other people kept his club going. So we run the Silvershine Jazz Club in Bearwood every Thursday night. And we're doing a gig on the uh, 24th of March. If anybody's around to celebrate Andy's music, which he would have been 100 years old if he'd still been with us, you know, I, I got a big teaching base. I got a book out called The Cage Guitarist, which uh, revolutionised the uh, the way people teach guitar. That came out 20 years ago. Shockingly, every day I get to play my guitar and and make music. So I'm blessed beyond belief. <laughs> I love it, man. I know
3: what you're doing Pete you've been on the show this is the third time you've been on I know I might
4: get paid one
5: day Well, maybe (laughs) I'm still doing obviously still bashing away on the skins um um, I play with Steve Ajaya, a local blues guitar player who's been around for a long time, but an incredible play. If anyone gets a chance to, or hasn't seen him, you've got to go and check him out. And um, Rhino and the Ranters, who are a new band, ish band, that we've been in for a few years. And we're, we're, we've got lots of festival work in the summer and stuff. We're playing at the Night Owl on the 20th of April, if anybody's around. That's our next Birmingham gig. I do believe we might have a track from them at the end of the show.
3: Yeah, we're going we're to go out of the, the interview with this track. I've been to see your band a couple of times and I think they're up there with some of the best that's coming out currently on on the Birmingham Music
5: You can knock a fiver off the bill for that. Oh, I was
3: hoping for free entry. (laughs) Thanks for joining us, Paul. Pleasure. And and Pete. We're going to play out of the show with a track from Rhino and the Ranters. Uh, It's a fantastic track called Lunatic. Thanks for joining us on this week's Made in Brum, and our final track on this week's show is a song considered by many to be not only a legendary punk classic but probably one of Birmingham's best punk new wave tracks. It's from Spiz Energy and the track is called Where's Captain Kirk? Have a great week. Thanks for listening.